Today's Guest, Axel Sedelmeier. Pre-work, really thorough pre-work, will make everything that comes after it so much easier. The better you understand the story of why you're recruiting this person, what this person is being searched for, like what are the topics they should really cover, where is the impact they can have in the company, and then also how or where to find these people, something we didn't touch so much on, but but like where to find, you can spend a lot of time on that, right? Like different industries, there are the ones that are close at hand. Uh, like if somebody works in fashion, yeah, maybe search for candidates in fashion, but if it's an e-commerce business, maybe brought it out to broaden it out to other e-commerce businesses. But then if it's has a heavy logistics element in it, then maybe think of logistics companies. And then ideally you find companies that are great in fashion and logistics, uh, like maybe uh, Inditex uh, who's behind Zara or something, right? Like really get creative um, in, in, in these aspects, but do all these definitions and then start mapping, mapping candidates in a thorough way and reach out strategies, really sit down and spend your time, not do things too quickly and to just, yeah, let's talk to this, to this, to that person. Um, but but th thorough pre-work. And then I think you are usually very well equipped for high quality sure. conversations. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Axel was at Personio and did executive search at the start of his career and is now at a private equity company, also doing a lot of recruitment, especially in the executive search field. So we talked mainly about the different company stages um, and how executive searches can look like for a smaller environment, like a maybe Series A environment where you do the first hire um, of a, an executive that is a non-founder up to businesses with 200 million in revenue um, that hire real executives, executives. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Morning, Axel. I'm really happy that we have the chance now to do the episode because um, it's the beauty of the podcast. Um, we met through the podcast because I had Oliver Manulovic um, as a guest. And then I think you interacted with the post. I reached out to you. We had a chat and then we did a coffee chat. And then we talked about several stuff, including recruiting. And now we thought about doing an episode and now we are here. So I'm very happy um, that we do so. Maybe we start with a short introduction about yourself. Yeah. Hey, good morning, Thomas. Uh, yeah, very nice story how we got to get together and how to uh, do this podcast now together. So looking forward to it. And yeah, I'm more than happy to give a, give a quick intro about myself as well. So um, I'm Axel and I live in Munich and work in Munich as well in the south of Germany and, and have spent quite some time recruiting by now. So uh, roughly 10 years, I would say, in the world of recruitment and HR. Uh, have seen different uh, setups and today I'm working uh, with Dedic, a private equity investor here in Munich um, with some uh, very interesting uh, portfolio companies and with a very hands-on approach to work with those portfolio companies and my role is also the talent role like more holistically from talent acquisition from employer running to talent acquisition to talent development and so on 
And, and but previously, I've uh, seen yeah, different setups like uh, joined from Personio, uh, and that is where uh, the Ollie that you mentioned as well uh, has been working and still is working, I think, in the sales team. Uh, and the, the post that I saw and liked. Um, and, and yeah, it was an exciting time as well. And prior to that, worked with Intel, also in the global talent acquisition team, and originally actually worked in executive search. So today I'm focusing a bit more on executive search as well with Dedic. In the beginning I did, so that's how the circle closes itself then. Axel, what is always a different story with people in the recruiting and talent acquisition field? How did you land there? Because that's sometimes out of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. And as it is with most people, I would say it's the same for me. Like I landed in recruiting actually through a friend's, through a friend who uh, recommended me basically to try working in this world, right? Um, because I originally studied actually political sciences and economics, so could have become anything and nothing, I would say, um, and then uh, ended up. Uh, you know, doing a trial period in this executive search company, liked it really a lot. I found it very interesting, a uh, lot to learn, very um, enriching experience, I would say. And, and that's how I more or less stumbled into it. And then somehow uh, recruitment seems to stick like glue sometimes to people, uh, at least to me, it did. Yes. And what, what is a bit unusual for what I just see when I when I look at very different talent acquisition professionals that you started really in executive recruitment because that's usually maybe something that that happens a bit at a later stage. So um, how did you get that opportunity? Yeah, it was basically through that uh, through that uh, network connection that I had that enabled me to do to do the trial run there, and then uh, they needed uh, basically project managers who would uh, work more or less on the. Um, you know, on doing the research on target companies, like creating target company lists, approaching candidates, like classical cold calling, really, or reaching out. And I mean, luckily, we had LinkedIn and Xing back then already, right? So you didn't need to call that much. But I have to say, there was also a big um, list of phone numbers uh, that I that I needed to go through and call people, also call a network contact and so on. So I, I agree, it's usually something that you would do a bit later in your career maybe. And for me back then it was really learning kind of like the, the baseline of how the work is done and what is important in this field. But I was quite nervous on some of the calls with the top senior executives because I was like 25 back then or something. And uh, um, you can imagine that talking then to, I don't know, CEO or C-level of a company with who have like very specific questions. Um, wasn't always easy, but yeah, steep learning curve, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. But I think for me, I, I learned the most through executive hires um, in, in my career in recruiting, I would say. And because you, you need to dive and dig deep, you need to structure information in a certain way and be able to, um, I would say, to deliver insights that are sometimes maybe more complex than with regular searches i would say uh, for, for instance what, what i see often when we dive into an example and then you can tell me your opinion i'm i would be curious that it's sometimes really tough for people who are hiring executives and for me an executive executive would be minimum i would say 250,000 euros in salary um let's say that level that sometimes 
it's hard for the decision maker and also for the panel, first of all, to understand how should the role look like that you can hire a top person into that. And that's already, I think, the most difficult piece to get right to land a successful hire. How do you see that? Yeah, I, I agree, totally agree with you. It's a lot about the willingness to invest in defining the objective and to understand your current situation as a company as well. Like why, why do you need this person? What do you need this person for? And also kind of like defining the flight level really, because I think there is the, the right kind of people for each phase of a company. So. When it's early stage, you need very different executives as well than when you are a large corporation. And not everybody brings the versatility to work in all or to strive in all of these setups, right? So yeah. getting that clarity as the one who's searching, be it from the perspective of you're, you're working in the company, you're trying to hire an executive, or also when you're an agency, and trying to understand quickly what it is that needs to be solved, defining really those objectives and, um, and understanding your own current environment is really key. I, I couldn't agree more there. And that's what you should spend really a lot of investment and time invest on. Um, because then you can actually also narrow it down to specific type or group of people that would rather work and also to factors that you might want to watch out for in interviews and that you might want to steer the, the conversation towards, right? So, um, yeah, definitely um, agree with what you said. And then the second piece comes, let's say you have identified some top profiles to talk to, you talk to them, then you need to align the other people that talk to them, that everybody's looking for the same thing, right? <laughs> because sometimes a job like, a, I don't know, CTO, CPO, COO, whatever it is, Look can, can look very, very, very different from individual perspectives. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's very difficult also to take out the bias entirely of interviewing in general, right? So everybody has always their uh, five to 10% at least that they're looking for and that who are there, which are their personal five to 10%. Other than that, standardizing the process as much as possible and talking through this standardization upfront and repeatedly as we go through the process, as you also said, people tend to maybe forget about this or ignore what has been aligned before and then seek for different factors. Definitely um, agree uh, on that end. And I mean, one thing is for sure, and that doesn't count only for executive searches, I would say in general in recruiting, you learn the most throughout the process and no process is like the other process, right? So in uh, most of the times you find yourself with a slightly different a target view on what you're actually looking for after some months in versus at the very beginning because as you say you learn through the conversations as well you understand maybe there isn't that talent that I have been dreaming of maybe there isn't the purple squirrel right maybe we need to deal with the reality of what the market has to offer also to some extent and uh, and then you you start maybe adjusting to some extent but before you go to that I agree you probably it's, it's best to just keep everybody accountable and remember them to say to, to what has been agreed upon in the beginning. In case you like my show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. Axel, how is um, the executive searches or how are they or were they different 
at Personio in the early stage versus then in the later stage? Because you started there when, when you were around, I think, 250 people, you said, and you left now with a bit more than 1,000 people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely a, a quite significant um, difference, I would say. And the question, I think, always at the beginning is, for, for what phase of the company or throughout which phases of the company will you be working with this person and for how long is it also realistic that somebody will commit to the job? And that needs to be in line with the company objectives, right? A company like Personio, I think it's an open secret that the company grew significantly, basically doubled every year in the last years in terms of, on the one hand, size for some time but also obviously um, revenue generation and so on. So really strong growth case. Um, and in this growth phase, uh, I think it was best to find somebody who maybe has seen a setup that is a bit further scaled than that, but who is also hands-on enough to help working on some basic elements and structures. Because most of the functions, I think, and when we talk then about more detailed functions as well, needed to be set up or at least made more efficient, effective, productive, and so on. So this required a lot of hands-on work by executives as well. Versus, I think, in the later stage, um, it is clear also that the style maybe shifted already a bit more towards managerial, you know, like uh, rather making the teams below you successful and steering them. Um, and, and, yeah, I think... That is already a bit of a, a different mindset, having seen also then much bigger setups, like the, the chief product and technology officer that was hired and back then at Personio came from Meta, for example, uh, which obviously is massive uh, yeah. corporation comparing to to Personio. So they they then also at some mm. point they don't they are not actively involved in the product. They maybe need to understand it high level, but it's more a bit how to design the organization around that. Um, product development piece to deliver, right? Yeah, exactly. That is definitely, I think, one very important piece, uh, getting the organizational aspect right and really setting them up for success by putting together the, the, the right teams. But in the end, it's also all about monetization, right? Like also mm. understanding the product maybe to a level, as you said, not to the last level of detail, but the big buckets that you can monetize and in the end might be the game changers whether or not a whole area of products or a whole product segment is successful or not and maybe in the beginning the first product hire of a let's say on a management level you make yeah <clears throat> might be wow i do an executive hire now but it's actually just the first manager that is not the founder yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> absolutely right. And also, I think when, when I joined and back then, I think we hired a VP um, for the product space, for example. And at that time, that was the VP for product. And it was for all product managers, basically, right? But then over the, over the years, the structure of the product and engineering organization changed so much that we needed a bunch of VPs. So in the end, while you hire somebody back then as being responsible for everybody, you need to already think about that this person might not be responsible for everything or everybody in this organization anymore, but there will be quite a lot of peers and there might actually be hired additional executives on top and also below additional levels might come in, SVP, whatever, right? Like, yeah. um, it's a lot that happens uh, in, or that happened in the company. 
yeah. And, and at some point, you also need to then consider uh, new factors and attributes like multi-market or multi-product. That's something that um, in the beginning does not exist, maybe, yeah? or maybe just to a small extent. And, and suddenly, this gets really complex. For instance, in a in a product with compliance, yeah, that's that's also different streams that are coming then, where you maybe need different executives. Um, but it's it's not. It's not that simple that you say, okay, I, I, for uh, actually one hire, I have a formula that is always the same. Yeah, I think you, you can use certain standards and frameworks and you should use that also to ensure quality. But each role there is so individual that every search is kind of a new search. You're absolutely right. Um, I think you have your criteria that you can always look at and that you can maybe apply a couple of times, like functional expertise, managerial experience that somebody brings to the table, general management philosophy, these kind of things. But then you have so many aspects that are maybe situational to some extent, as you said, like at a certain point in time, a company decides to enter completely new markets or completely new product spaces. And that was only the example was maybe the payroll um, function that uh, was big, uh, big, big part of the product. And all of a sudden, you have all these financial elements that come into play. Yeah, that, never was a, uh, that was maybe never really a, a, a main attribute to look for, right? And suddenly yeah, exactly. you need that. <laughs> exactly. And it requires also somebody with a completely different kind of like background, ideally, as well, right? And then also I would say what has shifted probably a bit in the last years is the whole culture element as well, that companies just um, invest also so much more in their own culture, in their own identity, in their employer brand as well, right? And then finding somebody who you see a lot in line with these values, with these principles that you define is particularly on the executive level, absolutely key, I think, because they have such a big responsibility and they are responsible for such a big part of a business. And the bigger the business, the bigger that impact is. And then if you, you, you will need somebody or you want usually somebody who top down can you know, be an, an authenticator kind of like for this culture and a carrier and somebody who fosters that. And I think that's something where at least also at Personio, on any hire, by the way, we looked uh, very much into the whole topic of, is this person somebody who carries or shares to a big extent our, our values, our cultures, and ideally will also add to it, obviously, as we go. Important point. How do you evaluate the cultural aspect or the personality fit aspect in an executive search? Yeah, interesting question. Um, I think in general, it's not as easy to evaluate uh, for culture and, and values, I would say, because it's quite subjective often. It's again, what you said in the beginning, a bit of a perceptional topic. Somebody makes a statement and a person might understand it in way A and another person understood B. And it's completely different uh, uh, how, how they perceived it. Yet uh, the way we did it back then was we had specific culture interviews, uh, basically, where we focused more on um, uh, where we gave uh, the, the candidates situational examples and where we let them describe how they dealt in specific situations with the idea um, obviously, that uh, the historic data or the anecdotal data they give would let us come to conclusions on how they would behave in the future. Um, it's a bit the, 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 um, the math that you're trying to do here. 
also bringing them together with as many people as possible. When we talk executive level, it was really not all interviews, but then you just uh, put them together for a lunch, right? Business lunch, you get to meet six people from the team or five. I think there's also a maximum of people that you should meet. Otherwise, it will be very difficult. Um, but yeah, business lunch or even after our um, events, uh, just make them part of it already. The more far we are down in the, in the interviewing process already, but particularly towards the end, making sure that you bring them together with other people from the team, other senior stakeholders, um, executives from other areas, and maybe even some of the investors um, every now and then who would I just have chat. Well, once I, 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 I knew, I sat together with another executive search colleague and mm -hmm. we were talking a bit about this. And then he shared a story that um, once a client, it was a family business, looked for an executive team that was not family members. So external hires and a big step for a family business. So what they did, they did not really looked at the time to hire aspect, but they wanted to really get this piece of evaluation right. So I think when you have the component time that can be flexible, the chance to evaluate the value add fit better is I think higher. Um, because the more time spent, the more um, data points you gather that your intuition is shaped in the right way. So they invited the executives they interviewed at a later stage, of course, to their um, office in a hotel. And then with the whole family. And then after the stay, the business owners went to the hotel staff, to the cleaning staff, to the receptionist. So, so to the whole lowest frontline level um, type of profiles in the hierarchy. And ask them, would you work for this person? What was your impression? Um, just to see how how they deal with any kind of level in terms of the company, because it was so important to them. And I think that's a bit sneaky, but well played. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It's a very nice way of, of assessing, I think, because it shows, I think it, it is a very authentic environment. And I right? like people wouldn't behave. I mean, they would behave differently if they knew. You don't let them know, so they behave the way they would usually behave, and then you can afterwards ask people a question like, "Hey, how excited are you?" or "How do this people, this person, treat you?" and and I agree, and and I think you're right that the longer that the less time is a is a criterion that the, the more data you collect, and then I think also there is this turning point though when you start maybe over evaluating, and maybe at yeah. some point you face the sad reality that. Nobody, we're not going to find anybody. Maybe we need to uh, rethink our strategy, right? I also had that in the past when we were like trying to find somebody also for a, for a business that had been run um, basically by the owners um, for many years. And then finding a successor uh, is quite difficult, I would say, as well. Um, and then at some point you realize, okay, this will just not really lead to a situation in which everybody has a great feeling about this. And we were not excited. We kept asking a similar question as you just also described, like who is excited? Who is excited when thinking about this candidate, for example, starting here? And who can imagine that when the candidate starts that they will help right away different people in the organization and can help them solve their problems? And mm. we never were able 
to, to answer that with a clear, yes, we're all excited. And if you don't find any, any majorities there or a common ground, more or less, actually, uh, then, then you should probably refrain from, from making a hire as well, because as you probably also know, right, like bad hire and then particularly on an executive level can probably be like very uh, Definitely. painful I've, for a business. I also get this point. I just think it's, it can be also dangerous to, to have certain things in place like that because what, what is the trap I think you, you open yourself up to is somebody who can excite people will be then most more likely to be hired. If that's part of the job, perfect. But especially with executives, I think they are super good in framing certain things in a certain way for an individual in a conversation. And this is why I think it's also important to always brief and debrief on both sides in executive hiring that you take out, so, so that you take out first, um, unnecessary ambiguity because there is so much things you could discuss and you just have a short period of time and you should focus and really focus on the relevant stuff. And of course, it's important that both sides are prepared in my opinion. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. On the other hand, it can also be dangerous that people just sugarcoat code or pretend to, to do something because they're good in pretending because sometimes executives get good in that, <laughs> um, that you then not have um, somebody sitting there who is just good in pitching themselves or pretending to be good at something and then at the end on the ground are not good at something. I think that's also something that is super difficult to anticipate um, if you go for excitement. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think excitement needs to be differentiated in like really excitement in the sense of, I feel like I want to follow this person and just like general, okay, excitement in the sense of like, yes, very positive about, about this candidate. Right. And, and in general, I, I totally agree. I've made um, experiences in the past as well, where we interviewed as interviewing team candidates who were very good in that first part of like yes i want to follow this person and seems like a great you know like visionary almost but when you then listen to the nuances turned out that maybe there was something below that that was also very important for the, for the client or for the company at that time but that that person would not care about necessarily and that could have been things like somebody who's only driven by, for example, monetizing product features and trying to get the maximum out of it and squeeze it, but not necessarily super interested in building an organization and caring for, you know, the org health and so on, but rather full high performance culture and so on. And then if you identify this culture clash, basically, you need to get latest then really cautious clearly address it with the interviewing team is it your only are you the only one who had that perception or do yeah. we have other pointers in that direction that would you know allow a conclusion then um yeah so agree and and i think also one piece is if uh, the more diverse in terms of personality type your panel is to evaluate um i think the less risky it is to also go for excitement or something like this um, because different people are excited to a different extent of, um, of, of the same thing, right? <laughs>
So that's absolutely. also a healthy, a healthy thing to, to think about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think the, the setup of the panel is really very crucial as well, because in the end, if you just have the people whose opinion you basically anyways know because you've been working alongside them for years and have assessed candidates alongside them for years, you're you're getting what you're expecting to get, right? So taking in every now and then or, or actually regularly uh, additional people that maybe haven't done any of this previously, um, super uh, valuable, I think, to a process, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you would give any final tips um, to people out there doing executive hiring, what, what would that be? Yeah, it's a good uh, good question. I think you can start on, on many different, uh, or you can look at it from many uh, different angles probably uh, to give tips. But I think a bit what we discussed in the beginning as well, like the, the pre-work, really thorough pre-work will make everything that comes after it so much easier. The better you understand the story of why you're recruiting this person, what this person is being searched for, like what are the topics they should really cover, where's the impact they can have in the company, and then also how or where to find these people, something we didn't touch so much on, but, but like where to find, you can spend a lot of time on that, right? Like different industries, there are the ones that are close at hand. Uh, like if somebody works in fashion, yeah, maybe search for candidates in fashion, but if it's an e-commerce business, maybe brought it out to, brought it out to other e-commerce businesses. But then if it's has a heavy logistics element in it, then maybe think of logistics companies. And then ideally you find companies that are great in fashion and logistics, uh, like maybe, uh, Inditex, uh, who's behind Zara or something, right? Like really get creative um, in, in, in these aspects, but do all these definitions and then start mapping, mapping candidates in a thorough way and reach out strategies. Really sit down and spend your time, not do things too quickly and too just, yeah, let's talk to this, to this, to that person. Um, but but th thorough pre-work, and then I think you were usually very well equipped for high quality conversations. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, cool, Axel. Um, who is a guest that you know and I don't know yet um, that I should interview next? <laughs> yeah, I think we chatted about this. Uh, probably I would recommend uh, my fiance, Carolina. Um, who is running the global employer branding teams and sourcing teams at HelloFresh. Definitely, yeah. I think we are already even connected. We just didn't schedule an episode yet. Yeah, we've been busy. We moved uh, recently houses. So I think now it's getting maybe a bit easier towards the end of the year. Cool. Yeah, thanks Axel for your time and I really enjoyed our conversation. Likewise. Thank you, Thomas.